You ever wonder why we're here? To look history in the eye and say, let's fucking dance. I don't think they let you do that at prom. Maybe not at your prom. Welcome back to RVB Recall. We are having a grand old time and actually doing a little bit of reminiscing about prom. I want a hundred bucks at mine. I don't know about you. We had a grand old time. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. Hey, everybody. And we are talking about Red vs. Blue Season 17, Episode 10, Killing Time, which I think is it's not quite a double entendre. It is a double meaning, and I think as far as episode titles go, it's been one of their best so far. They've had a lot of clever titles this season. Uh, Killing Time was a good one because of that double meaning, though, because it's like, ah, oh, we're l- you literally broke time. <laughs> I love that you just go into the Huggins voice for that. Just meh. It's a fun voice. <laughs> I don't remember the actress's name that they got to do it, but she does such a good job. She's amazing. She really is. Let's get right into this. We pick up exactly where we left off with a very particular bullet falling to the floor and everyone else going, why the fuck are we stuck in time? Wash being very surprised that he didn't get shot and trying to get shot. And poor Locus, who is not in on the joke at all, pulling him out of the way. It's just, what are you doing? Trying to get shot? Well, don't! (laughs) Honestly, I've said before that sometimes the subtle animation is some of the best because it's the stuff where, you know, they're breaking out of the machinima mold, but it's not necessarily an over-the-top fight scene. It's just, you know, something to enhance the moment. I think Locus grabbing Wash and pulling him backwards has been my favorite piece of actual animation in this season. It was so, so good. It really was, and it really is the little details, and it's not just because we're happy to see Dark Paladin Locus again, although that is definitely part of it. But yeah, we we send everyone on to continue down this particular path of time, while our time-traveling versions are like, what what is happening? And Wash making the excuse to stay behind with, my my rifle jammed, I'm just gonna pry the chain gun off this pelican. With Sarge, if he's single, there's no hope for the rest of us. (laughs) And I think this is definitely the hardest I laughed this episode and is up in the top five for this season because, oh my God. Everyone wants a piece of Agent Washington. Who knew? The entire fandom. That's who. I mean, they're not wrong. (laughs) Nah, I get it. I get you, Sarge. I get it 100%. Although, speaking of wanting a piece of something, like, I was super surprised Kai was super into Locus. And that was a moment that I'm like, girl, I get it. Again, so does the fandom. (laughs) But yeah, no, come on. Who isn't into Locus at least a little? (laughs) Come on. Come on. She needs to upgrade from Tucker. Well, I liked this moment because that was a ship I had never considered. (laughs) (laughs) Tucker really has to step up his game if he wants to impress Kai. It's all I'm saying, because I honestly think they're the better couple. But, like, 
I mean, again, I have a soft spot for our dark paladin now, and he's become one of my favorites. And so, like, it, it's just funny to me that, like, because he's so much on his path to redemption that, like, shipping him with anybody didn't even really occur to me, which is probably considered heresy within certain parts of the fandom <laughs> who definitely shipped him with Felix. Yeah, the thing is, you have to consider the parts of the fandom who completely understand the unbelievable nuclear dumpster fire that that ship is, because that is not a healthy dynamic, and the parts of the fandom that think it's okay. <laughs> like, ship what you want, but also understand when you're shipping something with a hilariously unhealthy dynamic like those two, because that is just... Yikes! 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 Yikes, those two. Ah! Felix's problems, all right? Felix is just problems. I would say his number one problem is being dead, but that's not really a problem for the rest of us. He's got 99 problems when the reds and blues are most of them. Uh, speaking of uh, fandom bicycles, we also need to consider Donut. Stuck with Krovos, because at this point during his past, he was... Going off to face Krovos while everyone else was going back to fit to uh, try to save Wash. So he's stuck with Krovos in what for them is the present because their timelines are conjoined. And Krovos, I love Krovos, or rather, I love Lietti's performance as Krovos. Just the, the whole, you know, they beat me up, they locked me, like my children turned on me, they locked me up, they did this, they did that. You don't do that sort of thing without a reason. I was hoping I could find another way. And then she talked about bringing on the apocalypse. And just Donut's monologue over her monologue. <laughs> oh, she's changed so much. It's like she's a completely different person. Just the, the back and forth here is beautiful. It's fantastic because... Lietti is giving this Shakespearean-esque monologue. You know, something you would actually see play out in, like, a Greek tragedy. Um, and what's funny about this moment is that I feel like in other productions, this would be the part where Krovos, quote-unquote, redeems herself or, you know, turns the other cheek or we find out, oh, she wasn't really all that bad, you know... You know, like, there are lots of shows that do that. There are lots of shows that where they're, like, the, the villain has a sudden heel face turn towards the end because they got betrayed or because another big bad showed up. Anime, I think, is really a, an egregious offender when it comes to our perceived big bad than having to, like, step down uh, as another big bad comes up. And then at the end of the series, because they had to team up with the good guy, oh, they're not so bad after all. It's the Vegeta redemption arc, except Vegeta's is executed really, really well, and he's still a dick, which is what makes it so great. I was actually thinking more of a series called Black Cat, um, and the manga is probably different, but uh, spoiler alert for the anime, I guess. It's been out for many a year. Um, but at that one, you know, the, the main character has this big rivalry with um, somebody he used to work with, kind of like in a Trigun-esque setting, but not quite that same dynamic. And so they spend most of the series going up in opposition to that guy, while all the while there's this kind of undercurrent 
big bad thing going on, sort of conspiracy thing. And then a couple episodes from the end, they beat the perceived big bad. And then all of a sudden, this conspiracy storyline unspirals. And it it tries to turn into like Evangelion for a couple episodes. And I was very confused by that. But then, you know, they they team up with their former foe. And I'm I'm just kind of like, huh. Huh. So normally in something like this, this is where Krovos would would have, you know, set aside their differences so that they could take down Genkins. But no, she hasn't changed. <laughs> and this has been your review of Black Cat. Do you recommend it? <laughs> the English dub is actually not bad. Um, my point in bringing this up is that earlier in this season, we remarked on how Lee Eddy's performance brought an aspect of humanity to Krovos. Like when that moment earlier this season where she was like, anything at all and you just hear the despair in her voice where we're like oh this has been torture for her this has been torment for her this is the moment where normally (laughs) that humanity would be allowed to shine through and it does for a hot second before the pettiness comes back and I mean we have established Gankins as the bigger bad as the trickier one as the just batshit crazy one but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's gonna change her ways because Donut pointed out oh Genkins betrayed you and she said betrayed first so that was always kind of the plan was to throw Genkins under the bus Genkins just decided he wanted to reenact speed before she got along to it well the other thing is that if she's sincere in that she wasn't really going to tear the universe asunder like she just wanted to scare her kids, then that goes against what she promised Genkins. But point being is that even if she didn't mean to destroy everything like she kept saying she wanted to, that doesn't change the fact that Donut is absolutely right. She was still planning on ruining all of their lives. Like, that's not good. It's like, well, sorry that you would have had to ruin all of our lives to make yours better and that we're not on board with that. So screw you still? All of the above. And then also, even if she'd been saying, yeah, well, I wasn't planning on causing the apocalypse, she then has a speech, which again, Donut talks over, about how she is then planning on causing the apocalypse that starts with, I would still tear the star curtain from the night sky or something like that. I have butchered that. But still, it's just one of those like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. No, no. She was just planning on going on a crazy bender like the king in Katamari. <laughs> she was just going to wreck the universe and then make her kids go clean it up. She would specifically make Ginkins do it because he's small and green and likes doing random things. Here, roll up 300 crabs and we'll make cancer again. What? Cancer the star. <laughs> The constellation, not like cancer. I got it. Seriously, though, roll up 300 crabs because we need to remake cancer. Actual plot point in Katamari games. Oh, my God. I love them. They're insane. They're just insane. I love them. And this has been your review of Katamari games. (laughs) That's going to be the running joke for this episode. You know it will. You know it will. Yeah, so we, uh, concurrently, while we have the situation with Krovos developing, we also have people attempting to figure things out back where we're stuck in time. We figure out, for one, that we have the time guns, 
that we still can't get through a portal even though we have the time guns, but we can kind of do a video Skype call with them. Well, better than Skype because time portals don't seem to drop reception. But, <laughs> and this has been your review of Skype. So they call up Donut with time Skype and they have a nice little conversation with Krovos as well with the whole look yeah it's Krovos you know Gankin's betrayer this and that and the other let's get everyone up to speed figure out that objects can go through portals and Krovos straight up tells them that the golf club that Caboose has that he got from the gods that Gankin's was initially carrying if we remember season 16 was what they used to beat her before they imprisoned her and is also what can be used to take out Gankins. <laughs> well, we can we can see where he is, and it turns out he's back at Church's first death, doing what they were initially planning on doing, living the plan from the beginning. So, okay, we have to go back there. We can kind of see what's happening. Wait, wait, we can send objects through, and we have the golf club. Wait. Cut to Gankins being the tyrannical theater kid that he has always been in his heart. Not even really bothering to pretend to be church at this point. Just showing up, yelling things, and daring Sheila to kill him. And it, God, it includes the line, if you can ever hit the broadside of a barn, I know a taxidermist who will stuff and mount it for you. Yikes! <laughs> this... I I freaking love all out of fucks Genkins. I'm all out of fucks. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> yes. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. If he wasn't pressed for time, I'm sure he would have done a musical number. Like, I am 100% certain. He's going to be hard pressed to outdo Donut the Musical. Let's be real. Well played. <laughs> That's very true. I would actually love to see him put on the show, Donut the Musical. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. End of his rope, Genkins, is one of the most entertaining things this season has brought us. I totally dig this performance. He is insane. And, like, I can't imagine that this was super like comfortable for the voice actor to do because he's literally screaming screaming and with texture because we know that this isn't the actor's normal voice so he's putting this on again screaming with texture that's that's going to be the title of this <laughs> possibly <laughs> but yeah no this this could not have been easy you're absolutely right He's screaming at the top of his lungs. Emotionally, he's at the end of his rope. And he's doing the British accent on top of everything. Like, this is a friggin' killer performance. And I'm really glad that it looks like we're getting more of it in the next episode. And I mean, the first half of this performance is he thinks he's won and he's just doing the fucking samba through time. The second half of it is... Oh, oh, you came to the wrong neighborhood, motherfuckers. <laughs> Never mind that I trapped you in a different neighborhood. Skype's a bitch. But before that second half, we get the fantastic literal shot of Sheila shooting the club directly into him and impaling him up against the wall, which is one of the more gruesome deaths, I think. Or not even deaths, because he, he lives, but, you know. 
the body that church was inhabiting certainly didn't. Um, <laughs> but that's one of the more gruesome things that the show has explicitly showed us, I think. You know what it kind of reminds me of? What? Season 15 when Biff got it with the flag. Yeah. Yeah. Played up like crazy for comedic effect, but nonetheless, like he was twitching. It was crazy. But I did enjoy the Genkins phasing in and out and just everyone's reactions like, oh, like how many of you have lived through wars and you're all still going, ah, ah, at this happening? Yeah, golf clubs are not something to be fucked with. To be fair, it's them looking at church being impaled. I think anyone getting the head of a driver driven through their stomach, as it were, is going to make you flinch. I, Again, I've seen someone have a mishap with a nine iron that I will never forget. Cool. It wasn't nearly this bad, but when you're 10, that much blood is bad enough. So... I think at any age in life, like, that's not a great thing to see. Well, no. But, the, yeah, you know, kids golf camp, you just don't expect things like that. <laughs> she was fine. Uh, anyway. <laughs> kind of doesn't sound like it. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if I should actually tell the story or not. I mean. Like, now that I've hinted at it enough, like, if I tell, it's, it's not as bad as it sounds, but it's not great. I don't know. We got a shrug. All right. So if you're not good with blood, I guess like skip forward 30 seconds to a minute. Um, yeah. Kids golf camp. I was 10, 11. A bunch of 11 year old girls all learning how to golf because that's what you do. And my dad liked golfing. And hey, the kids should all learn too. Okay, dad. So we're at golf camp and they made it very clear that when someone was gearing up for their backswing, you got the hell out of the way because these are large metal sticks that were swinging around. Well, most of us did that. And then at one point, one of the girls didn't check behind her and the other girl was too close and it went right into her cheek. Like, yikes. So again, not nearly as bad as Genkins had it, but it was one of those, let's Put, let's put a shirt on her face to put some pressure on the wound, load her in the golf cart, and take her to go get stitches. Because yikes! Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm really glad I never went to golf camp. That is not the worst injury I've ever witnessed. That's just the one that's thematically appropriate. That was just the, the golf club-related incident yeah. you were familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> That is not the only got hit with a golf club story in the world. Let's be real. And honestly, if you guys have them, I would love to hear them. Because they're all just kind of like, how? Like, you don't... People conceive of hockey sticks and baseball bats and whatnot as weapons. But you don't really think about the fact that Casey fucking Jones is carrying a golf bag with a driver and a nine iron until you see what a nine iron can do. I mean, he normally relies on the hockey stick, but yeah, yeah, that's not, it's still a blunt object that he's, he, I mean, le thankfully he's using them against evil ninjas and robots, so usually it's fine. And again, you, you more easily conceive of a hockey stick as an implement of violence than a golf club, and then you see a golf club in action and you realize, oh, oh, they're not just for hitting tiny white balls large distances, they're also for murder. So we shoot one through Gankins. And it's amazing. And I think my favorite part of this is Caboose going, the graphics are terrible! <laughs> because this is season one we're talking about. 
and Caboose exists on the other side of the fourth wall sometimes. Not gonna lie, cut when when Gankins first hopped back to Blood Gulch, I, no joke, was sort of expecting to hear the audio crackles. Like, even though we're seeing it in like high definition and everything like that, no joke, I was expecting to hear those audio crackles. The difference in audio quality from when you could tell they were literally doing it over the phone. I love it. I did like that would have been crazy, but I don't think that's a thing that's gonna happen. It was fun though, and just watching this scene, it would part of it was ah, part of it was oh no, this is amazing. Yes, let's shoot a golf club at a tank. This is red versus blue. This is what we do. It doesn't really stop Gankins for very long, and he pulls them into. We don't really know where this is. It could be the end of time. It could be a place of his own devising. We don't... They didn't really say. And then we get a little more animation for this episode with Gankins just yanking the golf club out of him and throwing it away. That's great. That's fine. Everything's fine. We probably needed that. Um, But there it goes. Uh, Yeah, I love this. He basically... I wouldn't say it's a reality marble necessarily, but it's definitely, given the the amount of power he's taken from, from Krovos, I wouldn't be surprised if he created this space specifically for what we're about to see. Reminds me of uh, the end of the world in Kingdom Hearts 1, Ooh. where it's just disjointed platforms and the void. And who knows, maybe we can recover that golf club after it's been summarily yeeted into said void. Who knows? Well, let's pop out of the time stream here and have a word from our sponsor. RVB Recall is sponsored by Fred's BS. Breads and spreads by Fred. Fred's BS is an L.A. local one-man baked goods business that offers unique flavors in small batches. Whether you're looking for homemade jams, brownies, blondies, or brown sugar buddies, the best cookies you've ever had, Fred's BS can provide. All products are made in small batches with fresh ingredients, nothing is ever frozen, and Fred provides a plethora of flavors that can't be found in stores, like the aforementioned brown sugar buddies or his strawberry peach paradise sunrise jam. Also, if you're LA local, you can choose pickup instead of delivery and get your goods even sooner. Head to fredsbs.com and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. That's fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM, team with an M. Fred's BS, treat yourself, because you deserve it. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. But he does the villainous gloating thing, and this is where we get the latter half of the performance, and essentially tells them that, of course, they can't beat him. All they've done is hasten their own demise. And I wrote this down. I hope you like labyrinths. Like, we got two episodes left. We don't have time for labyrinths. Plus, that was a really good movie, and we don't need to remake it, like, ever. No, no. That movie is a treasure. It's a time capsule of the 80s and should not be touched. Uh, it is It is a delight. And once you see David Bowie's crotch, you will never be able to watch that movie the same way again. I think that's the only reason to watch (laughs) Labyrinth, personally. Look, there's someone out there listening to this who went, what do you mean David Bowie's crotch? And is Googling David Bowie crotch Labyrinth and is about to have an experience. I'm just saying, Katie, that if you watch Labyrinth at all... 
David Bowie's crotch is the movie. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't need to be pointed out to you by an outside party that will somehow change the way you view that movie. No, it is there. <laughs> it is the main thing you're seeing on the screen. What are we fucking talking about tonight? Why? People are gonna, what are we talking about? Why are we talking about people's crotches? And that's our review of Labyrinth. Jesus <laughs> Told you I was going to bring that back. Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. So Get we... together, Cullen. Hey, I'm having a good time. I don't know about you. I'm having a grand old time I'm here. all of this. <laughs> it's oh, going to be not. two minutes of episode. <laughs> well, I will leave it to you in the edit bay. You mean this couch? Yes. <laughs> this couch? This couch. This super sophisticated edit bay. Edit bay. <laughs> Good lord. Anyway, so back on the subject of labyrinths and less about people's crotches. Stop! <laughs> None of this is usable. <laughs> it's all usable. No. It's all content. Oh my god. <laughs> all garbage. Everything is content. All garbage. Everything is content. This is all garbage, Katie. <laughs> Speaking of labyrinths, we've meandered enough. Uh, yeah, we wind up with... Occasionally, Red versus Blue kind of sits down and goes, all right, but what if we just cranked the drama up to 11 abruptly? What if we just did that? And they've gotten really, really good at doing just that over the years, and I'd say that started with season seven and went on from there. So, yeah, we have I hope you like labyrinths. We have Tucker saying everyone stick together and then everyone gets split apart from what I can tell into their own memories. So, yikes. 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 Yeah, from the looks of it, Jenkins is making all of them relive their worst moments of their life, which let's be honest, is kind of where we thought this story was going from the get-go. We just kind of thought we were going to see it with Wash first and foremost. But no, this is this is perfect. This is so so good because this is Tucker has just learned or relearned how much he needs to step it up in terms of taking back ownership of that leadership role when when he needs to. And the moment he does, it's already too late. And everyone's already separated in that regard. And oh my god, Kai going back home. I had completely forgotten that her introduction included the words after mom died. And because all of that sort of got undercut by the fact that they were making fat jokes about Griff's mom in that particular season in that scene like it was all Griff being frustrated older brother and it was you know the the Reds making fun of Griff making fun of his mom making fun of his sister it was all very very hyper exaggerated and zany and it was very entertaining and it was very funny but you take a step back and you look at the reality of that moment and you're like oh Oh, oh, I appreciate that they're doing this with sister in the same way that last season we got some backstory with Doc. Like 
we're taking these characters and especially Donut, I'm, but we've talked about that more than once with him, especially over the course of this season, that we're taking these characters who were more of the one-off jokes than the rest of the cast and taking the time to kind of sit down and be like, hey, no, they have pasts, they have backstories, they're not just the quick and easy jokes that we make about them. They're actual people. And being able to go back and trawl early canon, which was hysterical and ridiculous and had so much in there that you could build off of and saying, hey, hey, remember this part where she said that her mom was dead? You remember that? Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And showing us the visuals, showing us this broken down house in in Hawaii where they that they would have had to have made and modeled because I don't think you can build something like that in Halo just taking the moment to be like this is what it looks like from her point of view and we're seeing something new for Kai and then stepping back to see everyone else and hear those snippets of dialogue Wash asking who's there Carolina saying no I got rid of you Griff saying absolutely not Simmons just screaming because he's Simmons. All of these bits and pieces of dialogue from all of these different people. And you just kind of have to wonder, what the hell are they seeing? And Tucker, right now, his is that he's seeing no one next to him. Yep. <laughs> um, and I, this, this stuff is my jam. I absolutely love like this uh, talking about the anime parallels a little earlier uh, this is something anime does a lot and this is something um, like superhero stuff and sci-fi things do a lot anytime a character has to be confronted with the physical embodiment of like the worst moment of their life or their innermost fears or sometimes their innermost desires tempting, tempting them into a trap like this stuff is always really cool and really fascinating to me because even though we've seen it a million times, it's super fascinating to see how each individual storyteller gets those beats across. And I love what they've done here, especially as you pointed out, picking Kai as sort of the character that we run with in this moment because as you said, she's not, you know, she's not a punchline. She's a person. And it's so cool that this series has created these characters out of former punchlines and that's so so cool so the one thing i'm wondering because my my lopez theory has bit the dust because he brought lopez with them was doc there was doc in that lineup because i don't remember hearing his voice and i don't remember seeing him and that honestly might say more about my memory than anything else i don't think so I don't believe he was there. Um, I mean, we could pull up Verb for a quick second and go look. Okay, so we have solved this mystery. <laughs> and looking at... I found so many more. <laughs> and looking at the actual screen cap of the moment, it turns out that Doc is not there. And I'm wondering if that's not because he and Donut, you know, at the time when time got frozen, like he and Donut were in the middle of fighting. Um, and so I'm wondering if when Genkins pulled them back into that moment, if he got pulled back into that fight, or more specifically, got pulled back into the moment where he was launched off a building. And 
just hasn't caught up to everybody yet. That's possible. It's also possible that Gankins doesn't know that he is alive or doesn't know that he's a factor. Because the going wisdom here, until we found out otherwise, was that Doc was dead. Like, in character, everyone thought that, too. So right now, like, after the split up and then coming back together, we have no idea where he is. You're right. Donut is accounted for, and Donut was also not pulled into this little fun house of horrors. So he and Doc, at the moment, are free, if limited, agents. And it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do. Pink and purple coming to the rescue. Yeah. Yeah. That's some Lisa Frank heroism. Doc, don't let me down. This is your moment to redeem yourself. <laughs> don't let me down, Doc. Well, I did have that going theory about someone being an ignored wild card. I just thought it would be Lopez. I picked the wrong person. Anyway, that's my prediction, is those two. My prediction is a little bit different uh, because uh, on Verve, and I'm sure on the Rooster Teeth website too, they have the name of the next episode pulled up, correct? And the name of that episode is... It's called Omphalos. O-M-P-H-A-L-O-S. So I did exactly what we did the last time there was a word in the title that I had never heard before, and I Googled it. So um, for anybody who doesn't know, the omphalos, according to the first thing that comes up on Google, an omphalos is a religious stone artifact or batillus. <laughs> Show me the word. B-A-E-T-Y-L-U-S. Batillus. The, the bay stone. <laughs> uh, an omphalos is a religious stone artifact or batillus. Uh, pronunciation required. Citation, <laughs> citation needed. needed. <laughs> citation needed on that pronunciation. In ancient Greek, the word um, means navel. In Greek lore, Zeus sent two eagles across the world to meet at its center, the navel of the world. Among the ancient Greeks, it was widespread belief that Delphi was the center of the world. And so that got me going. Oh, I, I kept scrolling and there's an omphalos of Delphi. And so I clicked on that. And guys, this is relevant to our interest. Because the omphalos of Delphi is an ancient marble monument that was found at the archaeological site of Delphi, Greece. And in mythology, again, according to Wikipedia, so citation needed... The omphalos represents the stone which Ray, that's R-H-E-A, wrapped in swaddling clothes, pretending it was Zeus, in order to deceive Kronos. So, interesting. We've definitely had some mythological mishmash in terms of gods and titans and what we've seen these past couple of seasons. The question is, do we have an equivalent of Re? Do we have any other Titans? Or is Krovos the one and only parent to the gods? We have no idea. We, it, it, it could be anything. But the fact that that's part of the mythology, that's going to make this real interesting. Well, effectively, right now, Genkins having taken Krovos's power is essentially Kronos in this scenario um, because he even says like when he takes them to this weird pocket dimension thing I think he says I am time or like 
something something to that effect. He was screaming a lot. It was hard to hear him. He said a lot of things. <laughs> he said so many things. But if he is Kronos in this moment, or at least effectively has the powers of Kronos, then it kind of fits there because we have a couple free agents who I think it's a very fitting thing would be able to deceive him in order, you know, to outsmart him in this regard. And even though supposedly Huggins might not be able to find our crew in this moment, our free agents are still Huggins and Donut and Doc. So I still firmly believe that those three putting their heads together can come up with a plan to trick this asshole here in the center of the world. See, at the beginning of the season, I would have made a joke about, yeah, it would mostly be Huggins putting her head in there and everyone else is kind of ancillary. Not anymore. Not anymore. We have come such a long way with these other two. Like, Donut, man. There, I can't remember who it was. It was one of the writers on Twitter talking about anyone who writes red versus blue after me and tries to go back to old school Donut. It's not happening. I've ruined him for everyone. <laughs> like, no, you've made him better. That was Jason, I believe. Bless uh, him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we get a lot of that. And even even looking at how Donut was at the moment of the, you know, at the moment where Wash got shot, he has come so far, you know, before he was zapped by time. Um, but yeah, this he's come a long way. And so I firmly believe he's going to come up with a plan to trick Krovos. And I, uh, or not Krovos, to trick Genkins, who is effectively Kronos at this point. Functional Krovos. Functional Krovos, see. Um, so yeah, this is going to be interesting. And I think, yeah, it's team Lisa Frank for the win. Are we legit calling them that? Because I like that, like a lot. Well, team Huggins, Lopez, and Donut was team Neo. So I think pink, purple, and a white light either team lisa frank or team twilight sparkle and i kind of like team lisa frank a little better yeah lisa frank gives you a little more versatility in the unicorns i want to say anyway i love this <laughs> team team lisa frank for the win here's hoping they pull it out we have probably two more episodes still don't have any confirmation on episode number not that i've seen at least so could be anything but presuming two more episodes that's um that's not long that's not a lot of time to fix time <laughs> we'll see any other thoughts no just that this episode was awesome it put a big smile on my face it made me feel emotionally devastated it it did exactly what it set out to do i think and it made me really excited for the next one my only complaint is that i didn't immediately have the next episode to dive into I laughed, I cried, I am definitely not bringing the kids next time because one, I don't have kids, and two, red versus blue is not appropriate for younger audiences. But yeah, A++ would recommend. I totally dropped the ball in that regard. I definitely let my little brother watch the early seasons with me when it was definitely, definitely not okay. <laughs> How old was he? Young. He's eight years younger than me. <laughs> and I was in high school. <laughs> I'm a bad older sister. <laughs> See, I learned to swear from older students in middle school, and your little brother learned to swear from red versus blue. It's fine. 
I'm very proud of him. <laughs> I'm a bad older sister. He's a good younger brother. Disagree. You're a good older sister. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, me allowing him to watch Red vs. Blue DVDs uh, when he was too young for it might have made me a great older sister. <laughs> Please don't tell our mother. <laughs> mm, what do you give me? No. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. We are, and that's our review of your younger brother. <laughs> A plus plus would recommend. Aww. Anyway, I think that's all we have for this episode, which was mostly reviews of various other media properties. But hey, it worked. So to recap, watch Black Cat, but lower your expectations. It's definitely a turn your brain off anime. Play Kingdom Hearts. Watch Trigun. Katamari Damacy is the best crack trip you will ever have without actually taking crack. I don't recommend crack. I do recommend the game. And uh, would recommend Red vs. Blue. <laughs> and the labyrinth is David Bowie's crotch. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, we will be back. We will have a grand old time. In the meantime... I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't, and we talk about it. And I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias, as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. I'm also on an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast called On The Point, where my co-host CJ and I talk about all things Overwatch and Overwatch League. We have a double feature coming down the line. We're going to talk about a state season two, stage two finals, and also the all-star game that just happened. Six versus six, Ole McCree gave me life, and I legit want to stand here and chat about it for a while. But that's what that podcast is for. If you enjoyed this madness, if you want to listen to all the other fun things we do, we are on anchor.fm slash the rooster team. Find all of our fun stuff there. We have Gen Lockdown. We have Welcome to Veil, vale, which is our Ruby and Night Veil vale crossover project. We have all sorts of fun stuff coming down the line, like the Camp Camp Counselor's Corner, which is going to kick in in just a couple weeks, so keep an eye out for that. You can support us on Anchor. You can support us on Twitter. You can support us at our Tee Public store and on our YouTube channel, all of which are at The Rooster Team, team with an M. And, of course, supporting our sponsor supports us, so head over to fredsbs.com, F-R-E-D-S-B-S.com, and use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. Do the thing, win the stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you in the Everwin. Mm-hmm.